up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. <clears throat> my name is Gable and I'm joined as ever by my friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. And Tom, the Bath Rugby roller coaster goes up once again this week. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what do I know? Uh, the well, last, very uh, little, as, I, as, I, as <laughs> we all know, as we've all found out listening to this podcast, very, very little. To, to say I wasn't confident going into to, to the Saints game on, on Saturday would be a massive understatement. I think I predicted um, uh, 15 to 25 points loss, <laughs> depending on conditions. And uh, yeah, how, how wrong I was. Um, and a, another great weekend of, of, of rugby. I hate to say I, I told you so, but um, I'm very happy. Well, I did tell I'm you so. Very happy to be uh, to be wrong <laughs> on this occasion for sure. Yeah, fantastic performance by Bath, led by their brilliant front row in particular, as we'll get onto slightly later on in the podcast. But as you say, Tom, a fantastic week of rugby. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and you know, it's a slightly sad thing to say. And it's probably something that uh, shouldn't really be the case. But Bath's rugby, Bath Rugby's result makes a massive difference to my weekend and then going into the week. And it's quite sad just how much of an impact uh, 15 lads throwing a bit of a rugby ball around can make on, on my mood going into the weekend and for the rest of the weekend. But um, yeah, fantastic. And it's really put a spring in my step. And yeah, a brilliant performance led by uh, the boys up front. Sets the tone uh, for the week. And we've been romping up the table, obviously uh, in 12th or potentially 11th, depending on the the outcome of the, the, the Saracens scandal. What's that? And now, <laughs> and now romping up to 8th place. Uh, ahead of Quinn's uh, Watson Leicester. So uh, all looking good. And if we continue at that rate, we'll be top of the table uh, by Christmas. And another present. <laughs> another, wow. Yeah, another present from, from the rugby gods with Leicester uh, getting well and truly beaten yeah. by London Irish today, Sunday, as we record. Um, do, you see, do you see any of that game? Uh, I've seen one of the, the tries, uh, a Waisaki Naholo try down the, down the right wing after a speculative Nick Phipps kick. Um, I've seen, but not seen any else. But looking forward to catching up on the highlights of that one. And and you said uh, Bristol down by Christmas last, last season. season. Well, Bristol top might be top, by, of top of the league, league by, by Christmas, Christmas this yeah. season. A fantastic performance. All credit to them away at Exeter. Yeah, first uh, block of the Premiership done now. Um, a, a break as we as we go into Europe and Bristol top of the table, as you say, three wins from four. Down Dexter in the in, in the 84th minute. So fantastic. For them, and uh, good to see rugby uh, uh, so strong in the in the southwest. It says through gritted teeth. Yeah, you you do not mean that. <laughs> no, but no. Um, moving on from the team now top of the table to the team that were top of the table, Northampton Saints, downed by the boys in blue, black, and white. Tom, despite a terrible start uh, from Bath, just what were you thinking when you saw that charge down and then kick through and try? Um, from, from, from Steve well, from I think, Hutchinson I think the first 92 seconds or whatever it was was the only part of the, the game that went to script really um, <laughs> uh, you know a, a Reese Priestland uh, a kick that was looked very very flat um, looked fairly sort of fairly sort of aimless and uh, uh, James Grayson charged down as you say and Rory Hutchinson w- with the score so really bad start um, when he missed the conversion as well I did think you know, potentially some of the young guys, uh, you know, aren't aren't quite hitting their straps. But really bad start to go eight 0 down um, in eight, after eight minutes. Mm. You really have to reset 
uh, and start again. And uh, yeah, credit to credit to them all. They're yeah. able to do that. Just so languid, Priestley. It just really looked like he was sort of still on the training park and just practicing the kick. Really didn't look like there was much intensity that kick. And and to compound this, the bad start, Rocco de Guni, uh, a spark yeah. through previous, through, certainly last week at Wasps. Apologies, uh, we that we mentioned off after five minutes with the HIA and young Gabe Hammer-Webb having to play 75 minutes on, on the wing with, with the inexperienced Burns at, at fullback as well, equipped himself really nicely, as, as we'll mention. But yeah, a nightmare start for Bath and sort of feared the worst at that point. Yeah, I think Hammer-Webb coming into the first team this season won't probably be, uh, have been expecting to have to deal with uh, sort of 22 stone uh, to Kelly, uh, Naira Volu and mm. Tom Collins on the other wing. But I thought he, he equipped himself really well I went off for, for an HIA uh, himself in, in that second half uh, on the, on the, when, when Tom Woods scored, but came back on and uh, yeah, mm. gave a really good account of himself. And with, with everyone away, um, as, as, as they were at the start of last season, um, when Darren Atkins was able to make a good impression, I think this is a really good opportunity for, for him to do that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's clearly rated. Mm. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he's some specimen as well, he's isn't he? He's a big old boy, not yeah. 19 this week. God, I did not look like that when I was 19. Oh, well, I, I think he's been eating what, uh, <laughs> what, what Joe Cock and Asiga has been eating. Yeah, true, on the same sort of diet. But I was impressed sort of with the, obviously the first eight minutes aside, I was impressed with how we, we came back. And we've looked, we looked much sharper. It was, it was a horrible day. Uh, at the wreck, mm. but we looked much sharper. The interplay was was a lot better. I thought Freddie Burns, mm. in particular, set the tone in attack, coming into the line much more um, than he did uh, than he did last week uh, from fullback um, and, and making things happen. I thought the offloading uh, amongst the forwards as well was 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 promising um, early doors. So while I didn't have my hopes up, sort of watching watching those first uh, twenty minutes, I did see sort of signs of, of positivity that ultimately. Um, translated into into points later on. Yeah, just on Burns as well. Whilst whilst we've sort of touched on him, um, my boy Freddie Burns had a really strong game. I thought at, at fullback, mm. some really nice touches, as you say, coming into the line uh, a lot more effectively than he did last week. Something that we were sort of asking him to do uh, to help Priestland out with that creativity, and as well as that, uh, playing at fullback, a position that he's starting to play a little bit more at for Bath, but certainly not his natural position. A couple of really nice tackles and a couple of really nice moments where he goes back to to collect the ball and gets us out of trouble with some really nice footwork. So impressed with him, and um, I think you mentioned it last week. And if we can get Tom Homer back fit and slide into fullback, then I do think Burns deserves a chance to to, to resume in his in his more favoured position of fly half because another reasonably ineffective day from from Preston, I thought. Yeah. Okay. I think with Freddie Burns, your fullback's probably not his strongest position, and I thought against Wasps he was he was fairly anonymous. I mean, mm. just just for this as a as a statistic, so mm. um, he only made one meter um, in the whole eighty minutes from fullback against Wasps, which is quite is that right? yeah, which is which is quite incredible. I mean, I don't quite know sort of what he was doing, whether he was running backwards and kicking it, or or just just catch catching and kicking it straight away. Mm. But yeah, um, he, he was much much better, much more confident, and looked really up for the fight, as yeah. did. All the players, as I'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. will say, particularly going into the second half. So uh, yeah, as I said last week, it would be good to see him come back into the into the team. He looks like he's starting to build up some confidence. We've we've spoken about um, how important that is for his game. So uh, yeah, good on Freddie. Yeah, and I think Matthew Humphrey actually tweeted us at Bath Rugby Plug sort of with similar sentiments about how assured Freddie Burns looked at fullback, and also 
when Brew when Brew got sent off and then Cook coming onto the wing for Hammer Webb for that ten minutes, mm. you know Burns' role in marshalling that back three and making sure they're not caught out sort of positionally is key. And and, and as a guy that doesn't have much experience in that position, I'm re- really impressed with that as well. Yeah. Um. Sorry. And then you should have I should have brought this up slightly earlier on in the podcast, Tom. But thoughts on the, the the team selection before we go any further in into the into the game, and in particular the decision not to to bring back our England guys. Um, specifically McConaughey and, and, and Thokonasiga, who, who didn't feature greatly yeah. for, for, for England. The thing is, we, we spoke about this last week and, and didn't expect to, to see any of the, the players, either who had played or had just been involved in the training and, and, and the travel in Japan. But then Exeter Chiefs obviously Ooh. announced their um, side to, to take on Bristol today. Um, and that included Henry Slade and Luke Cowan-Dickey, two players, well. uh, two, yeah, well, two <laughs> players who, who obviously were within the, the, the 23 mm. um, and so very much involved um, involved throughout the tournament, and the reason Rob Baxter gave, um, sort of when he when he was asked the question um, today, was that he wanted to sort of gauge uh, how well they were doing, and the best way to do that was to actually get them involved um, in 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 a game, and and, and that does make sense. Um, but I do think as well there's sort of an element of rushing back uh, players, and 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 they are sort of more likely to um, to potentially get injuries and and to potentially get get fatigued. Yeah, I do think that the thing about it is that. It's not necessarily that they're going to get injured now. It's just the case of that they're going to get injured further down the season because they've not had that that rest. And so I think Baxter's point was that he, he sort of get them back now and then then give them the rest, but sort of get them involved. But I do think it is purely case by case basis, and undoubtedly the the England the Bath England guys will have been back in and around the camp. Hatley reported to duty this week, and just playing it on a case by case basis, getting them back when they're ready, uh, so that they don't burn, don't burn out well, is, so, is key. So Stuart Hooper was asked asked the question as well, and he said he was going to be sitting down sort of on an individual basis as you say, this week mm. um, to work out which players, uh, you know, how the players are feeling um, and when, they, when they'd when they be able to come back. So hopefully we'll start to um, start to get a better idea of, of, of when the players will be back. Mm. And it'd be great to see, um, particularly McConaughey and, and, and Fokin Asiga, I think, mm. uh, come back into the fore. Yeah, just interesting on that, we did run a poll on our, our Twitter account, at Bath Rugby Plug, asking whether... Um, fans preferred extras slightly more uh, rigorous approach of bringing their players straight back or Bath's more conservative approach uh, of giving them more rest and uh, 60% said rest them it's a long season compared to the 40% of play them uh, we're bottom I actually voted um, on that yeah which, I, um, where did you I vote? I said play them oh brilliant I, thought, yeah. <laughs> I just want to see McConaughey back in a, back in a blue black and white shirt yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Maybe next week against Ulster, a match we will preview later on in the podcast. Back to the victory against Saints, though, Tom, uh, and Bath getting themselves back into the game and a runaway try from, from, from Will Chudley back in action after his sickness bug or hangover, whichever it was, <laughs> uh, and scoring from sort of 40 metres. He made a massive difference. Mm. I was going to bring that up when you, when you asked about selection. When I saw his his name on the on the team sheet, and it's, it's sort of no... Um, criticism of Ollie Fox because I thought he, um, you know, acquitted himself well, particularly as he came in so late uh, last week against Wasp. But Will Chudley, such a calming mm. influence um, positionally. Um, he's very experienced, and he was—I yeah, thought he was good, um, particularly in defence when there are a few sort of clean breaks from the Northampton mm. uh, backs. He was—he was sort of back to tackle them, and obviously that uh, try was a was a fantastic try, sort of arcing mm. um, run. Picked out uh, the slow Aaron uh, uh, Payton, Aaron uh, Payton, sorry, who was who was struggling to get across and just side through and 
and went over. So uh, brilliant stuff from him. Mm. Um, uh, I thought he he marshaled the troops very well, and he's clearly, along with Charlie Yule, a real leader uh, on mm. the pitch. Yeah, interesting that he he pretty much played the full eighty minutes as well. I think that was sort of telling in how much of an influence he was having on the game and with his leadership. And that try sort of coming off the back of a, a really strong scrum, which allowed our backs to, to get over the game line. And then next phase, Chudley sort of sized through a defence that, that is retreating. So a sign of things to come, certainly, with that with that dominant pack. And yeah, I was really impressed with Chudley and a sort of mark of how our season's going and how our season probably will go uh, for the rest of the season. Is that, our, that try by Chudley is our only try scored by a back uh, this season yeah. after four games so a sort of tell there of how we're playing and how the style of play that, that, that we're adopting but yeah really impressed with Chudley and the scrum the scrum you mentioned was absolutely fantastic not mm. only um, in the second half when we sort of particularly had that had that dominance and, and the, the couple of yellow cards which ultimately told um, uh, told for, for the Bath win mm. but I thought even in the first half as you say it wasn't as obvious um, but we were on, on the front foot we were putting massive pressure on the on the Northampton uh, Northampton pack and you mentioned it last week the only way really um that we were going to beat that team um were to get on top of them physically mm. and uh, yeah they were missing a few boys um up front but I guess I guess so are we so uh, massive effort from um, from from the boys up front. Yeah, I think we'll come on to, to that a bit more detail when we discuss the, the final sort of 10, 20 minutes where the game was ultimately won by by the blue, black and white. The final thoughts are on the first half performance. So quite sla- a, a quite sloppy first half display from, from both teams. Quite sloppy, but I thought defensively we, we were pretty tight. You know, the... Uh, the, the charge down the side, which can't can't really be helped by any sort of individual, um, you know, defensive effort or defensive system. That aside, I thought it was impressive that we didn't let them mm. run away with it. Um, to hold them to just that one try until whatever it was, the sixty-second minute throughout mm. that um, first half and sort of and sort of the, the, the first half of the second half as mm. well um, is testament to, to the effort um, and also sort of the defensive the defensive uh, uh, system um, in place. We spoke about how prolific a, a try-scoring team Northampton have been so far this season mm. um, with 13 tries in, in the first three games. So credit to um, to the defensive effort in that first half as well to, to not to let the game uh, get away from Yeah, themselves. combination of real strong defence, as you say, and some some sloppy uh, Northampton Saints play as well, I, I thought, it sort of allowed us to be well within the game at 10-8 uh, up at half-time. And then potentially what could have been the turning point the Alibrew red card on on forty seven minutes for a, a a strike apparently on uh, the is it was it Tom Collins yeah. the, the the Northampton Saints winger. What were your thoughts uh, on that decision? Well, initially, like like the referee in Tempest, I didn't think anything of it. Um, you know, I, I thought the ball had kind of there'd be an accidental collision. And I thought that the ball was um, you know going to be taken for the liner or back or back for the penalty. And, and this is sort of the difficulty, and I think this has been uh, the main area of debate. And it's if you see something in slow motion, broken down frame by frame, it is very, very different um, to when you see it in full time. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's very harsh on a player um, to um, you know call them out for individual sort of um, actions when it's happening as quickly as it's happening. That said, um, unfortunately, the the laws as they are um, mm. don't really allow for that. Um, and and the logic in terms of the, the logic that um, Ian Tempest sort of spelt out, um, I, I from my point of view, you, you can't really you can't really argue with the with the decision. I just didn't like the the sort of wording that he, he used to sort of justify his decision. It wasn't a strike with with the forearm. He leads with he puts his forearm he puts his forearm up. Sorry, and then he 
collides with, with Collins as he's running through to chase the ball. It's not a push forward strike to, to, to the mouth or to that. <laughs> you look like you're about to strike <laughs> yeah, me in the mouth. Yeah. Not a forward strike to the to the throat, is it? He sort of puts his arm up and carrying. So I think there could have been some some mitigating circumstances to be found there and, and, and sort of reduce it down to a yellow card. I do think a red card is is, is pretty harsh for, for something like that. But as you say, it's that sort of incident that they are trying to get out of the game. And if it had been a, a, a swinging arm or, or an arm to the head in a tackle, then the, you know people probably would have had less of a problem with it. But I do feel like trying to keep 15 against 15 at all possible costs, which is what I think referees should try and do every mm. week. Mm. I do think there are circumstances that he could have sort of said that, and, and just given them a yellow to keep 15 on the field. Yeah, I think I think for me it's, it's borderline red-yellow. I think it, it doesn't look great in slow motion. The reality of of, of, of what you said is absolutely right. Alibrew wasn't uh, meaning to, to hit Tom Collins at all. Mm. Uh, the way I saw it, sort of almost a, a sort of self-preservation um, kind yeah. of thing as he went in he realised that they were about to collide to sort of put his arm up to defend himself um, and unfortunately sort of struck him in the um, in the head or neck so uh, yeah um, uh, probably a probably touch and go um, but I, I don't think you can have you can have too many complaints and what I would say is the way that the red card um, mm. you know took away um, a man from the field it sort of gave us a, a 15th man Ooh, um, yeah. in the in, in the crowd as it were like because um, you know uh, neither of us managed to managed to get to the the game on Saturday, but hearing sort of accounts from people who who have, um, it's been uh, you know the, the atmosphere, particularly following that that decision, was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Maximus the Lion um, on on Twitter, so the mascot um, uh, worked out the password to our Twitter account. There, he? <laughs> <laughs> um, he he says that it was an absolute corker, and and, and exactly that, that the red that the red card really um, uh, sparked um, the crowd into life, and and it was the best support that. Um, that 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 he's seen in a while. So brilliant to hear because at times last season, um, when I when I've been to the record, it's been quite quiet, um, almost sort of um, inevitable, the feeling of inevitability about about the result. So um, great to um, hear that the crowd are getting behind the boys and making the the record a, a bit of a fortress because it's beginning to feel like it is with our form there. Yeah, we are chalk and cheese uh, at home in a way, and I do think that that red card not being there, but sort of watching it back now and speaking to people that, that were at the game had a massive galvanising effect on the team and mm. we managed to turn the line over immediately following that, went down the pitch uh, and ultimately led to, 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 to Stuart's try on sort of 50 minutes. So I do think that, that the crowd support had a massive impact and you know, we'll discuss why our, our home form is so much better than, than our away form. But one of the, the sort of reasons for that is moments like that and the momentum's probably not the right word, but the sort of lift that that crowd support can mm. give you in moments like that, as you say, can sort of create that that 16th or in this case 15th man that, that we required. And I do think not just that, as much as it galvanised the supporters, it also galvanised the players. And you saw some of the reactions, particularly thinking about Charlie Yules when, when Stuart crashed over for that try, yeah. massively up for it. And then Elliot Stute comes on, sort of brings that impact that he always does. And I do think that, ironically, the red card had a, almost positive impact for, for, for Bath. And as Richard Knight uh, suggests on Twitter, we need 10 press to ref every week if that's the response we're going to get. <laughs> oh, if only it didn't take a, a red card to, to get the boys in, in blue, black and white and the supporters in blue, black and white up for it. Eh? Yeah, the, the only thing I'd, I'd say, and I, I don't know your what, what your views are on this, but I think at mm. times players on, on both sides were, were sort of um, in danger, sort of boiling over too much mm. um, and sort of appealing to the referee, talking to the the referee too much, which to be honest, I don't like to, um, I don't like to see in any game. I think 
Um, Freddie Burns got got really annoyed with um, with Tamana Harrison and a couple of other Saints players um, when they were sort of appealing um, and talking to Ian Tempest after the Aleb Brew collision. Um, a, a few minutes later, um, Rory Hutchinson sort of tapped the ball down, um, and Freddie Burns sort of sprinted over to the um, to the referee, sort of appealing for the deliberate knock on. And I, I, to be honest, I don't like to I don't like to see that. It, it's certainly creeping into the um, the game more. Um, mm. You remember the, the the instance last season. Um, against Worcester, when they uh, they shouted um, that we're going off our feet for about twenty consecutive phases, and eventually um, sort of persuaded the referee mm. that, that we were, and um, um, and that was an ultimately telling telling penalty. So never never good to see, but I, I do think that um, there were sort of instances of that creeping into the game on Saturday. Yeah, emotions were high, and I, I do think uh, sort of with the, the the ref mic that we get, it's very clear when there are uh, players screaming at the referee and. Um, yeah, rugby this week has probably got a, a lesson in the fact that it's it's maybe not as uh, as white as it as it might want to um, uh, sort of portray itself as. Certainly mm. with the the, the, the Saracens news and, and with sort of instance like that, which as you say is is, is not really what we want to see. Um, moving on then, Tom, to to, to the wasp try, the wasp reply, and and another big Saints, Saints, sorry, yeah. uh, sorry, Northampton Saints try, and another big decision by by Ian Tempest. Was there any reason? Why he couldn't award that try? Well, I mean, in, in terms of after he's asked the question, um, it, he's got to make the right decision because he hasn't. There's been no sort of conclusive um, evidence that you know that it, that it wasn't a try. As I said, if he'd said, um, for example, try yes or no, um, then he would have had to have sort of conclusive evidence of a grounding. I don't think, from the angles that I saw, that there was a grounding. Mm. Um, uh, I actually think that Zach Mercer did incredibly well to to get underneath Tom Wood and, and probably stop the. Uh, stop the try. So I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a harsh decision to be honest. But once sort of Tempest, you know, says that he saw a grounding, if he did see a grounding, um, then then I guess it's fair enough. But it seemed it seemed a harsh one to me, and it certainly didn't get the didn't get the crowd on side. Yeah, for me, there there's a clear reason why he can't award that try, and that's because it's held up. That that ball is clearly held up, and 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 I know he doesn't see a grounding. That's because there is no grounding. Mercer's clearly under that ball. There is no way he grounds that, and I think that was a really, really poor decision. But doesn't he say he says he's seen the grounding? I think. He hasn't seen a grounding. Yeah, I'm sorry. There is no grounding there. There's no view of seeing ground. If he sees a grounding, why is he giving the try? Why is he giving the try? If he's seen a grounding, you give a try. You don't look at it if you've seen a grounding. Yeah, I think he was just. I think the reason he looked at it and didn't give the try straight up was because Hammer Webb was was down on the That's ground. That's got nothing to do so with I the think try. In the lead up to sort of Tom Wood getting across the line. He wasn't focused on the game, which is, I think, why he well, that was his logic for going back and checking it. I agree with you. I think it was. I think it was harsh. I don't think there was a ground, and the angles weren't particularly helpful either. Um, and I think if there'd been a clear sight of the ball not being grounded, as you said, then um, he wouldn't have awarded the try. But as it is, he needed conclusive evidence um, the other way, and, and and the angles didn't really give, give him that. But if he's seen a grounding, he gives the try, and 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 that's that. And if he hasn't, then then he goes and says try us and I. I well, you know, it, yeah, it I, ultimately I, didn't have any effect on the game. Luckily, but I thought that was uh, some slightly poor refereeing. Also, what's the what's the deal with with referees going to to TMOs? Trevitt's tempo. You know, who else does Trev think it is? Yeah, I was going to say, is this going to be someone else? <laughs> yeah. His mum's going to ring him yeah. in the TMO box quickly. Oh, hi, Tempo. I wasn't expecting yeah. to hear from you today. What do you mean you weren't? Like, obviously it's you, Tempo. Why is he calling himself Tempo? <laughs> like, is he giving himself that nickname? Does anyone else call it in Tempest Tempo? Or is that just a self-made nickname? Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. 
Bizarre, bizarre. And I don't, yeah, I think that's generally across the board with referees. Why do they... What, strange need, nicknames? They're strange nicknames. No, more just sort of why do they need feel the need to sort of say who they are coming through the, the, the TMO box? Who does the TMO think it is? Yeah, I mean, there are arguably bigger problems at hand, but um, <laughs> I, I agree, it was it was slightly strange. It's just bizarre. Um, right, moving on then, Tom, and sort of... The, so back in the game, again, yeah. missed conversion. So, um, you know, James Grayson missing two in the first half and then that uh, that conversion mm. there. So he, he could have put his team, what... Um, Five points ahead, so it could have been it could have been twenty could have been twenty fifteen if he'd got all the points going into the last sort of twenty minutes. So that would have been a very very different story. And I think again, just the misconversion, the the sort of cheers from the crowd, another small thing that just galvanised the crowd and just sort of um, sort of set them almost more against Northampton and Ian Tempest, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and then that sort of led to 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 following that led to us getting a penalty and going down into their twenty two winning a, a penalty in front of uh, their post, sort of five metres out, Tom. And then some fantastic captaincy from, from Charlie Ewells to recognise that it's uh, Ben Franks, is it? Yeah, yeah Ben, ben Franks, Franks yeah. going off for, for a yellow card, realising the dominance that they've got in the scrum and being clinical and taking the chance and going for the scrum. Fantastic captaincy from Yulesy, which ultimately paid off. Yeah, brilliant. And it was a... Yeah, it was a fantastic phase of, of or, or period of play to watch. We were obviously on the receiving end of this last yeah, season um, uh, against Worcester at six ways, and it was uh, bleak, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it would be a, the <laughs> nicest word I can I can uh, think of to, to describe that. So sort of knowing you've got the dominance, um, Beno Urbano, absolutely phenomenal mm. uh, power coming through from him, um, him and Charlie Yules on the loose head side, lifting up. Uh, Paul Hill, who himself is you know no mug at all, been involved with England before, and then the same with Aaron Painter, who is a huge tighthead, um, coming back on um, when when Paul Hill was was uh, was simbined. and um, you know in the past year I've I've mentioned that Benno's strength um, has lied in the loose um, mm. in, in his carrying and his offloading and his tackling. Mm. Um, so if if that's sort of um, another string that he's adding to to his bow, he's really becoming sort of the complete loose head. Mm, string to, strings to Benno's bow, eh? yeah. scrummaging and now in the loose. But yeah, I, I was, you know, let, let's talk about the front row now. And I think that is sort of what people have come away saying was the main positive for, from the game, Tom. Uh, and that period of play really exemplified that. But as you mentioned earlier, throughout the game, we were always slightly getting the nudge on uh, an experienced Northampton Saints front row. And it... it that's where we're going to have to build the basis of our game going forward. And with these four, what looks like four really good props, unfortunately with two other props, you know, in Thomas and Cat injured potentially for the rest of the season, these guys and Stuart and Urbano in particular are stepping up and looking like real prospects. And they're young guys as well. And that means that they're really coachable and they're going to improve. And with someone like Neil Hatley coming in now, uh, he's only going to improve these guys and sort of massively warms the hearts on a cold day at the wreck, I'm sure, for all those Bath fans. A period of play which was pivotal in, in the result, uh, in, the, in the final result. And, and, and a Bath front row uh, back to its best is so good to see. Absolutely. It's been one of the things I've been um, clinging to as a positive sort of going mm. into this season um, when we looked at, when we looked at mm. sort of previewing the season ahead. We've got now a set of young props, young front rowers, including... Um, including Tom Dunn and, and Jack Walker in, in, in the number two shirt, who are really promising. Mm. Um, they are putting themselves about in the in the loose. They're, you know, 25, 26 tackles made between the three of them. They're prolific um, in the carry. Very, very powerful men. 
and also they're sort of looking really um, uh, cohesive and strong um, in, in the set piece as well. And what I liked in particular was that we stuck with the first choice front row when it was going well. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a tendency sometimes for people to come off at certain times and you don't necessarily see the logic for it mm. but we stuck with the the first choice uh, front row with the Barno Stewart and, and Tom Dunn and then on 71 minutes um, when we were sort of uh, when we'd had the scrum dominance um, they were replaced completely by by that second choice front row and it just enables the players to work more as a unit when mm. they are um, when they're when they're sort of um, working the, the, those three the, the, the three-man pod together so Brilliant to see. One of the most exciting things, I think, going forward. And as you say, Neil Hatley, um, after his scrum nightmare um, in the final against South Africa, he'll have, mm. he'll have come back. And um, yeah, I'm sure his heart will have been warmed, um, even though he's probably uh, probably walking around the wreck in, in shorts as he normally does. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I, I just think with this front row, we, we, we know what we're good at at the moment with this Bath team, and that is the tight game. Uh, and whilst it may not be uh, the most sort of expansive what's the right word the most sort of um open style of rugby the most uh, ambitious is the word style mm. of rugby it's working at the moment and it's going to allow the, the the backs and when we get our international backs to come back it will allow them to to come on into a team that is built on a strong forward foundation and, and we can't be sort of shy away from from what we're good at and those those three front rowers, the locks as well. That's what where the strength of this team is at the moment, and, and we need to just build on that and, and not shy away from it. And we've shown in the first two games specifically that we've won against Exeter and against Northampton Saints at home the, the dominance that, that that front five can give us, and it, it's brilliant to see. Yeah, and ultimately the players that we are missing are generally exactly. our, our outside backs and our, and our, and our loose forwards. So this yeah. has been an area where we've been able to, um, to be able to focus on and be able to play to our strengths. And as you say, then those players can come back to a pack that's confident, that's going forward, um, and they can provide them with sort of the good ball that um, that they need to, to sort of show show mm-hmm. their their skills as well. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, fingers crossed, we can keep those guys fit because I said two forwards already on the the injured list. So fingers crossed, we can stick in partic- We can keep in particular Stuart and Abano fit because they're sort of building a partnership which can, can can sort of see us have a really strong season, Tom. And Andrew, 15 penalties mm. um, that, that Northampton Saints conceded, nine of which were in their own half. So mm. we, particularly, as you say, in that second half, made it our dominance tell. And it's very, very hard, um, as we saw with, with the World Cup final, um, in, mm. indeed, to, um, to, to win a game of rugby. Um, when when you're going uh, when you're in reverse um, at scrum time as as they were mm, and, and as well that that period of play I think it was between about 70, 63 minutes and about seventy seventy one minutes instead of seven eight minutes off the clock something which Chris Boyd the Northampton Saints head coach mentioned head coach mentioned in his post match interview was how that sort of took out time in which Saints couldn't get out their own half and, and couldn't make an impact mm. on the scoreboard. And that period of play really shut the game out and, and ultimately leading to points, but not just the points scored, but also the, the time taken out of the clock, given that the, the we were down to, to 14 men at the time. I think it was a, a, a pivotal moment. Yeah, um, and ultimately Zach Mercer, as he, as he always yeah. does, being on hand to, to finish the job mm-hmm. um, and, and get the try under the post. And uh, yeah, Zach Mercer for me, whenever I watch Bath, even... Um, when we've been um, clinging to any uh, any uh, you know um, optimism that we can find after uh, the heartbreaking defeats um, of of last season in particular, Zach Mercer is sort of an, an ever um, an ever positive um, mm. force I think in a Bath shirt. The way he conducts himself, um, 
the impact that he has um, on and off the ball is absolutely phenomenal. And um, I was listening to to the commentary today um, for the, for the Bristol uh, uh, Bristol Exeter game um, on BT Sport, and Lawrence Daly was there, sort of uh, talking about Sam Simmons and Nathan Hughes, and how you know they're they're the two number eights competing for for Billy's uh, to be Billy's number two. And I, I just think that Mercer for me is so, and I, I know I'm biased, but Mercer for me is 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 that number two now? I think he is pushing on. Player of the player of the year last season. He is pushing on, and I, I think there's very, very little now um, wrong with his game. And um, mm. yeah, yeah, another phenomenal performance from him. Yeah, he carries the team, doesn't he? In a in a team that that sometimes needs sort of someone to to put them on their back in the fours and carry us uh, us over the game line. Zach Mercer does that on a consistent basis and and always gets through eighty minutes. Always is going right till till the final whistle. Yeah, massive impact and and the thing about him is if you were to to, to pick a, a a strongest bath team first 15 with low underhill and Balatow, yeah. he may not even get a place and, and that would be massively unfair because as you say for, for for a couple of seasons now he's consistently one of our our strongest performance not just sort of statistically one of our strongest performers but when you watch a game your eyes don't lie and Mercer is always one of those players who who, who stands out for for us and for a lot of Bath fans I think he's he's firmly one of a fan favourite yeah and there seems to be a different attitude within that pack as a whole mm. um, there are times last season when we almost looked resigned to um, to the result or resigned to what was happening um, with, with refereeing decisions or, or, or whatever but it just felt like everyone is so up for it I think mm. having Charlie Eels as captain having your captain on the field, leading from the front, has made a massive difference. Elliot Stuke coming on and uh, making loads of noise, geeing all the players mm-hmm. up. I thought was I thought was brilliant. Josh McAnally, another another solid game for him as well. So across the board, really strong performances, and I'm 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 liking what I'm seeing in in, in this front eight. Yeah, I think the pack is certainly an area where we're we're, we're really starting to improve this season. It's going to be the basis of our uh, of our season, as as, as we've mentioned. Um, final points then, Tom. On this uh, victory against Saints, any other standout performances? Any other areas where we may need to improve going forward? The only one I've got, I've got jotted down, were what well, is restarts um, from mm. the kickoff. I think there were three or four instances where we had the ball turned over or we we made a, a, an unforced error, and that, um, as we said before, is a real coach killer. When you when you're able to to um, work hard and and put points on the board to to get turned over um, from from the kickoff is. Um, is 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 always uh, really disappointing to see, and I think um, probably a better team on the day than Northampton potentially would have would have punished us for that. So that's the only um, kind of small thing that that I had down. Um, I think we're still potentially lacking a little bit of of invention in attack, but again, probably not the um, conditions or or to be honest, the the game plan um, to to for, for us to see any of that. But, yeah. Um, overall, overall, really happy, and uh, as I say, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that third. Uh, set piece we've got the other two set pieces mm. absolutely nailed down get that third set piece nailed down the restarts as we always say and yeah I, I think I do agree that's an area that, that we can improve on Tom and and, and with the invention and attack I do think that that it is time to, to, to give Burns a go at fly half as yep. we've mentioned because he's sort of looking really promising and uh, um, I think he deserves a go so just one question for you then obviously looking back over the, the first four games and, and this first premiership block over um, and we're mm-hmm. sitting in eighth in the league with um, with two wins, um, two wins from four, and and no bonus points to, to speak of. Would you have taken that at the start of the season? Uh, would I have taken that? Yeah, I probably would. I probably would have taken it. Yeah, I, I do think that the 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 
the Wasps' defeat is the one that sort of stings hardest because I do think that was a really winnable game. I think the game against Bristol, as we've mentioned, was an absolute buzzsaw. Really difficult mm. for any team going there on a, or in that sort of situation. But the Wasp one was the one where I do think we could have won it. But then again, I would say Exeter at home, that's a difficult fixture. And table-topping Northampton Saints as well. So, yeah, I probably would have taken it in hindsight. And I do think that looking at the performances, not just the results... There's certainly areas where we're going to build on and some of the new guys coming in, specifically those new props, are making a real impact and that's only going to get better. Uh, so yeah, I probably would have taken it. We're certainly not out of reach of getting into that top four as it stands at the moment. Uh, and with our guys coming back, as, as they hopefully will at some point, I, I do think we're in a reasonably strong position and we're building on that that sort of home record. We need to make the record fortress and mm. then pick some wins away, uh, pick, pick some wins up away from home. And, uh, and we should have a decent season. I think the way to do that is to build some momentum at home. Mm. Um, so three out of the next four games, looking ahead to the fixtures, um, are at home. So as I say, a chance to build um, build some momentum, build some confidence, and then go away to um, to London Irish, which will be our next Premiership um, away game just before Christmas, um, and try and get the win there. Although um, you know they <laughs> they they they're looking uh, they're looking uh, uh, pretty strong as well. But like I say, the, the way the the the, the fixtures are, are structured. This season um, is is um, obviously quite strange given given the World Cup, and we've only got two more Premiership games now before Christmas. So there is time for um, you know, these players to come back into the mm. not only the World Cup players to come back, but I'm thinking about Toby Falatau coming back mm. um, into 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 the starting lineup. And so I'm 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 starting to feel a little bit more confident about um, about our chances because I do feel like looking at these first four games, we could easily be talking about no wins. Um, having lost to Exeter and, and Saints um, <laughs> at home, um, and, and obviously with our old poor away form continuing, I imagine that would be a very, very difficult, uh, very different conversation. Sorry. Yeah. So moving away then from from that game and onto something that um, a bit of news that's starting to break today as we not news but a rumor that's starting to develop. I guess uh, today Sunday as we record and Bath being linked with Reese Webb, the the Toulon scrum half. Tom, we mentioned how much of an impact. Will Chudley had on this game, but an area that we we, we, we felt in the past that we, we could improve on the, the scrum half position. Yeah, I mean we were asked the question last week about which players we would want from um, from the World Cup if we if we could choose, and we both said that a nine um, and or a ten would be uh, probably the ones that that we'd look at. Um, I feel I thought having said that, Will Chudley came back as I say into this game and looked strong, but I do feel like there's potentially um, a bit of a lack of depth in that position relative to to other positions. So. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably throw this one back to you. Obviously, being a, a kind of um, the, the resident scrum half, but I, I do think that if Reese Webb's anything like the player um, that he was a couple of years ago when he was playing for Wales and and, and the Lions as well, then he'd be um, an asset to any club. Mm. Having said that, there's obviously um, a tendency that Bath um, have to overpay, particularly Welsh mm. players who potentially <laughs> are, are towards the end of anyone uh, in mind to, to, to the end of, towards the end of their retirement. So. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, as, as Frank Rigdon actually points out uh, on Twitter, he's short of the 60-cap rule, so mm. he wouldn't be picked for, for Wales, provided that rule sort of stays well, in, that was obviously in, the issue, in place. Yeah. Exactly. And I, it's very difficult to tell, as I don't watch a, a great deal of, of French rugby. But if, as you say, Webb is um, where, where he was a couple of seasons ago, then a great signing. But I'd just be wary of the money we're willing to pay him. Uh, I wouldn't want it to be a, a sort of panic signing, and I do think it needs to be the right move. So, so, so 
yeah, it would be a, a, a positive signing, just dependent on, on money and sort of his performance, which I, I guess I, would, I don't know enough about. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say is that, um, or, or where, I, where, where I read this, I think it was Wales, Wales Online that initially reported this, um, and that they said that Exeter Chiefs were also sort of um, uh, having talks or at least interested um, in Reese Webb. Um, now, one thing you can sort of say about Exeter and about um, Rob Baxter for me um, is that they have made some very astute signings mm. in the past and they're always very, very careful to do their due diligence on a player. Mm. So the fact that they are interested as well, <laughs> to me, uh, gives me gives me a little bit more confidence. Um, the other thing I'd say is obviously the big Welsh presence at the club. I uh, spoke about sort of the Welsh rugby um, sort of pension scheme um, that we've been we've had a tendency to, to run. But the other... A player, obviously, in the coaching setup now is is Luke Charteris, who yeah. um, would would I guess have an impact on any decision made. Um, Sam Underhill was also his teammate when they were both at Osprey, yeah. so he will have uh, connections with with the club, um, uh, and and you know he will um, I guess he would he would fit in um, he he would fit in well kind of as a result. The only the only thing is kind of with bringing in these big names is that the young players ultimately do suffer and mm. um, Ollie Fox obviously very um, inexperienced but looks looks a talent um, and Max Green someone who's obviously picked up an injury but I thought could be one of the, the yeah. players to watch this season um, after after the promise he showed last season yeah one to watch out for there Reese Webb uh, maybe on his way to the rack uh, now then Tom before we move on to, to, to any news and, uh, and, and look ahead to the Ulster game we now cross to, to you, our X Factor correspondent, uh, for an update on TriStar's latest performance. I didn't. I don't think I saw this on the agenda, <laughs> so I'll be. Uh... Well, it's clearly on the agenda. Obviously, <laughs> don't look at it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to catch up and uh, get a full update next week. Yeah, have absolutely no idea how they. Are they still in it. I think they're still in it. Yeah, um, he's not playing for us, so yeah, presumably they're still in it. We haven't actually said about that. Would have been good to have him involved. To be fair, first couple yeah, of games he looked electric, <laughs> and he's just out singing with Ben Foden now. <laughs> I think that presumably they're still in it. What, what, where else is he? Um, yeah, if you do know any more, if you are uh, an X Factor celebrities fan, then get in touch. Let with us us know. And let us know. Come on, come on, come on the program. We'll yeah. have a, we'll have a sort of probably be more of a sharing of knowledge. I think by the sounds of it than uh, than anything else. But um. so yeah, equally as much analysis there on X Factor as the Bath <laughs> game from Tom. Um, right. Any other news? Nothing. Nothing big happened. This week, uh, in the, surrounding the Premiership, I can't think of anything that came out in particular at all. No, no, nothing. Um, no. What are Sarri's doing at the, the bottom of the table? Oh, oh mine is that minus twenty one <laughs> points? No, uh, <laughs> I don't. Know, what, what, how do you want to cover this? Uh, yeah, so obviously everybody knows that Saracens five million pound fine and a thirty five point reduction point reduction slapped on them for a breach of the salary cap over the past three seasons interesting actually just before we talk about it in a little bit more detail um that it wasn't the season when they beat us in the finals so if they were to have their titles rescinded which i don't think they are going to be then we wouldn't uh, be the sort of recipient of that rescinded title tom but yeah a lot of being a lot of stuff has been written and a lot of stuff's been spoken about this tom what are your sort of overriding thoughts to to to, to the sort of strength of the the, the punishments given to saracens oh, well, overall sort of emotion of disappointment really obviously rugby fans in the past have been guilty about saying you know that our grass is is sort of greener than mm. than everyone else's and um while um you know, there have been suspicions in the past, I think, about how Saracens were potentially able to to afford the players that that that, that they had and to renew the contracts of these um, academy guys who have come through um, uh, so readily. 
um, when the, when the salary cap when, sorry when the allowance for academy credits is is so low. So I guess it, it wasn't a massive surprise, but I just kind of harboured some sort of uh, probably quite naive hopes that nothing was was going on. Um, in terms of the severity of the punishment, I think it's all sort of set out quite clearly uh, in terms of the the, the the findings of the report. Um, every Premiership side sort of signs up to to those penalties, and it, mm. it sort of implies that they were sort of spending in the region of sort of six hundred k in addition to the in addition to the salary cap um, through these sort of co investments over those 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 three seasons. So yeah, disappointing. Um, the the sort of thing I would I guess I would I would caveat that with is that the investigation's ongoing. Obviously, Saracens are appealing, um, and this doesn't bring a close to the review of the the salary cap. You know, I. I, I I wouldn't be surprised um, yeah. to, to hear of other clubs being um, quite sort of um, uh, sort of stringently investigated as well. So I, I wouldn't want to get on my high horse high horse just yet. Yeah, you know where Gervin Dempsey's playbook went in the middle of the Irish Sea. If Bart's accounts over the last few seasons could find themselves somewhere similar, <laughs> I think that, that would probably help us. Yeah, as you say, those in glass houses should not throw stones. And I would be very conscious of feeling really smug about this and uh, and looking at Saracens and saying, well, you cocked up because there is all there has always been a sort of um, suspicion around Bath from, from other fans and potentially from even Bath fans about how we're we're signing some of these big names, given there is only two outside of the, the salary cap, the two marquee players. So, yeah. Really hope that this sort of puts an end to any salary cap um, sort of investigations because I would be very, very worried about sort of looking at a uh, Bart's past as well. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing thing to happen or, or thing to sort of find out will be what happens to these Saracens players. Will they mm. go on uh, playing uh, for Saracens? Will they move? Will they move abroad? In the case of the sort of European players that they've signed, mm. you know, they've just signed Elliot Daly from Ross, for example. What is he going to be allowed to <laughs> see out his contract if, if he's yeah. been paid next to the cap? Um, and also, I guess, you know, what new and inventive names are they going to come up for for these co-investments? <laughs> so we've got Voon Prop, Voon Prop Limited, Faz Investments, um, R Wiggy Nine. Um, there are some, there are some pretty interesting ones out there. So uh, yeah, if you can think, well, potentially not appropriate. Actually, I'll leave it there. <laughs> if um, yeah, it does make you think though when you take a look back. Uh, and put it into all perspective those are just ridiculous what were they thinking doing it sort of setting up like that they're sort of asking for for, for, for to get sort of caught out by doing stuff like that so yeah I don't think this is the last unfortunately I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of salary cap news so um, one to, to, to bear in mind and fingers crossed nothing comes at it from from a blue black and white perspective but a chance for, for some of Sarri's young guys to to step up in, uh, and get them out of a, a relegation battle and Manny Vunapola uh, wants of burn him on sea rugby football club our old rugby club tom uh, pulling the strings at 10 in a, a win against gloucester was was very nice to see actually from, from, from that perspective absolutely and that's what it's going to take you know these guys uh, nine guys involved in the final aren't going to be coming back to saracens anytime soon so it is going to take these young guys to, to step up ben earl um for me has been the other one mm. so far this season who looks an absolute force yeah. uh, just adds to england's uh, uh, uh embarrassment of riches really in the in the back row position um uh, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how how this plays out um if saracens are able to stay up if they'll be ring fencing and, and ultimately mm-hmm. they won't go down there are so many sort of questions um uh, and it'll be yeah as i say um we'll sort of keep an eye on that one very closely yeah right moving on if you do want to hear more about the salary cap then there is plenty out there so um go and look at that but we'll move on now tom to 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 a game against a team that we're trying to rack our brains before we sort of hit play on this podcast and 
we can't remember ever having played Ulster before. I've tried to find previous results, fixtures uh, between these two, and a very brief Google search really didn't show anything. So if you can remember, uh, this is probably going to make us look like absolute idiots now as we've played them plenty of times probably, but if you can remember any other fixtures between these two sides, then uh, please do let us know because we were certainly racking our brains. But um, a chance for, for us to build on our, our, our already strong home form against Ulster in the first round of the Heineken Cup, as I mentioned. Absolutely. European rugby starting up is always um, unless you're in the Challenge Cup that is a very exciting time of year obviously you get the, the, the double headers um, as, as well um, and really start to build a bit of a rivalry with with uh, with these teams Ulster as you say a bit of an unknown quantity to me um, they've started well in the in the Pro 14 um, with uh, with four wins from six I believe mm. um, unbeaten at home however their mm. away form has yeah. has been uh, hasn't been quite as good so uh yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. For me, looking down their, their team sheet, and again, not watching too much of them play, uh, they've got some uh, very sort of uh, potent weapons um, out wide. So Jacob Stockdale, um, uh, Will Addison, who is at sale, uh, Billy mm-hmm. Burns, mm. of course, and it'll be very interesting to see how um, uh, Bath selection at, at 10 for the game. Um, so that's, I think, where sort of their strength lies up front, potentially. Um, there's a little bit more uh, of a soft underbelly. Um, uh, you know, Marty Moore, formerly at Wasps. Um, I don't think he. Uh, I think he's probably uh, you know someone that or, or the scrum and lineup is an area where we'll be um, again looking to looking to make our mark. Yeah, I agree. And Ian Henderson perhaps back uh, to play against yeah. us now. Club captain of Ulster to maybe bolster that that front five. But I agree, their backs look reasonably dangerous. Jacob Stockdale, an obvious danger man to point out. Uh, well known. Sean McCloskey as well. Sean McCloskey yeah. in, in the centre is a big old ball carrier. But yeah. A, a, a front five perhaps with a soft underbelly as you, as you so nicely put it Tom so an area hopefully we'll be able to exploit and interesting to see if we do start to ease back maybe McConaughey maybe Seager, but I would like to see some consistency in selection in that front five uh, sort of build on, on an already strong start yeah and as I say get them working in um, in mm-hmm. their pairings that they've become used to know their roles um, as Eddie James put it so well um, in that in that interview following the the New Zealand game, it's a 23-man game mm-hmm. rugby now, so everyone needs to understand their role, um, know their role. But um, I think I wouldn't be surprised um, if, given what what Rob Baxter decided to do for Exeter, that we if we see mm-hmm. um, a, a sort of McConaughey potentially or even Cockenhassie come back into the um, into the 23. Yeah, agreed. Uh, very interesting Bath team selection. Uh, check out if Anderson does come back for Ulster, that will be a, a, probably a key to them. But uh, feeling really positive, as I always do, going into another Bath week. Tom, uh, how do you sort of see this one planning out? Planning yeah. out? Yeah, again, confident. I think being at home, um, we've got a chance to, to, to build some real form, make mm-hmm. the wreck um, an actual, absolute fortress and, and make it really difficult for Ulster. And, 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 you know, if we can get the win on Saturday, we have actually got a, yeah, a good chance mm-hmm. in this Champions Cup. We'll then have Harlequins um, away the following week, uh, which you know, is, is much sort of less taxing than going on, on the road to Ireland or, or France. So again, we probably have to fancy fancy ourselves there or at least give ourselves a, a chance there given Harlequins haven't been in in brilliant form so far this season, you know, then it's 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 anyone's it's anyone's mm-hmm. money if you've got two two games. We can sneak um, a one win against against Clermont in that double header um, in December. Then all of a sudden we're we're you know we're, we're looking potentially with a with, with a qualification. <laughs> all of a sudden we're favourites for the Champions. Exactly. Card. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm feeling very positive as we always seem to do. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter with your thoughts leading into to the Ulster game and anything else blue, black, and white related.
uh, that probably wraps it up for, for another week, Tom. Um, thank you very much for, for joining me. Thank you very much for listening. Um, keep telling your friends. Keep spreading the word. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you do know someone that you think will also enjoy the podcast, then please just uh, let them know. Um, get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook as you always do. Join in the conversation and get behind the boys in blue, black and white as you always do. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs>